in our own life. So this morning, I want to take a parable in the New Testament that comes from Matthew chapter 13. It's a of Jesus where he's actually teaching from a boat on a bank in a river and he tells all these stories to illustrate and capture what the kingdom of God's like, what it means to live out this gospel life. And as he shares, he he begins to talk about an incredibly memorable parable within the New Testament and that's the, the parable, excuse me, of the sower. Now who remembers that parable? Anyone? So the parable of the sower is a farmer scattering his seed. It goes into all different places on the crop. There's some good soil, some bad soil, some funny in the middle soil. But the farmer's out there seeing. Everyone remember that story? Lots of us know that story. And lots of us have heard that story. But I'd put it into a category of stories in the Bible. That, and this is going to sting a little bit. And this is true for my life as well. That for a lot of us, a lot of the time, it's a knower, but it's not a shower. <laughs> yeah? We know it really, really well. But we don't often think about what does it mean to live this out? What does it mean to actually show what Jesus is talking about in this parable? So as a starting point, we're, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. Is that okay with everyone? If it's not okay, again, let me know after the service. <laughs> so check this out. We're going to go to Matthew 13, and we're going to do a little bit of reading this morning. We're going to engage with God's Word this morning. Is that okay with everyone? That's okay with you, Andy? We're okay with that? Good, we're on board. And uh, so here we go. Later that same day, we're reading from the NLT this morning. Sometimes with narratives like this, the, the NLT does a really good job of capturing what's happening. So later that day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into the boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. Just imagine a scene that's just so packed. There's so many people that think, okay, I've got to get on the boat here just so I can create a space so I can talk to all these people. An incredible moment. Then he told many stories in the form of parables. Now, parables are an important device that Jesus uses to talk about God's kingdom and what it's like. It's where he takes and, and draws a metaphorical picture. So he's not talking about a real moment that's happened in his life, but, but rich with metaphors and similes, he'll create a picture to actually communicate the meaning that he wants his audience to hear. So that's what he's doing in this moment. He told many stories exactly like this. And such as this one. Listen, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seeds sprouted quickly. But since, no, because the soil was shallow, the, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, and still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So here's the story that Jesus tells, a farmer out sowing his seed. Now, it's worth noting that, that in the day that Jesus microphone's gone, and it's back again. That's great. That in the world that Jesus lived, probably 80% of his audience here were either farmers or fishermen. So he chooses a story that makes sense to the people that he's with, the picture of a farmer sowing his seed. Now, when we hear this, a lot of you already, you, you already know exactly what this means because you've, you've heard it talked about many times before. But for the original audience, they're, they're trying to understand what Jesus is getting at. Now, what we have in this passage of Scripture is a little bit later on. Jesus actually gives us a precise explanation as to his exact meaning in this parable, which is pretty rare in the New Testament. He sits down later with the disciples and he says, here is the meaning of the parable. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to that next passage of scripture. Everyone still on board? It's not too much reading. We're okay. 
If you're really struggling with the content, again, let me know later. Verse 18, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seed. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those that hear the message about the kingdom of God and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes, snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the, so- the rocky soil represents those that hear, someone say hear, who hear uh, the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have, let me get the right word here, problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those that, again, say it for me, hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the, uh, the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Then the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly, again, say it for me, hear. notice that word, it's coming up again and again, who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 50, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Okay, cool. Everyone's sitting in that scripture. You feel like you've engaged with Scripture a little bit this morning. You know where Jesus is taking you. He's giving us these pictures. He's giving us an idea of what it means then for us to live this out in our life. So from this point, the first task that we have today as we look into Scripture together is to locate ourselves in this story. So we've got to work out, okay, if Jesus has given this teaching to us this morning, where do I fit? Where do I show up within this parable? Now, I think you've got two options I realize with my current finger device, that's like, to be clear, if I do this, that means two, not three. Everyone okay with that? Two, not three. And you can thank basketball later for the weird injuries. Uh, but, but there's two options that we have. And I think, I think both are kind of helpful. The first is this, that we can picture Jesus as the farmer, sowing the gospel. And then we can think about our own lives as the varying conditions of the soil. You think that sometimes my life can be a little bit like a footpath. And when Jesus wants to speak to me, I'm immediately dismissive and get snatched away. Or it can be that maybe my life's like a, a thorny crop and that as the gospel grows in me, it's kind of choked out by other things, by other priorities, by other values. Or you can think that, no, my life's actually in a good place to receive the gospel and for it to flourish in my life. Now, that's one helpful way of reflecting on this passage, to say, is my life in a condition that Jesus can do something amazing? Now, that's one helpful thought, but I don't think it's actually precisely what Jesus is talking about. I think what Jesus is saying, if you follow me, here's who you are. You are the farmer scattering the seed. Not me. The seed is actually the gospel. The seed is the message of the kingdom of God. And you are the one that goes out to scatter the seed. And this is where we need to locate ourselves within this parable, that Jesus is speaking to us as disciples who are commissioned to tell his gospel story. So that the story of Jesus doesn't enter my life and stop, but the story of Jesus comes into my life and is continued to be told through who I am as a follower of Jesus. That's the gospel, of, the gospel life that Jesus is leading us to within this parable. So if that's the case, if we land on that together, there's something right at the start of this parable that captures my attention. In verse 3 and verse 4 is the, the parable opens and begins. He says, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And verse 4, this really just captures my attention. And he says, he scattered them across his field. And the idea is that he scatters them across the whole field. 
Now, is there anyone here this morning with an agricultural background? Come on, Andy, be honest. <laughs> where, where did you go to school so everyone knows? Cunderdon Agricultural College. How good is that? He's got, I love that. I've been wanting him to include that in his preaching. He hasn't yet, so I did it for him. But something that Jesus does in parables is that he twists what the audience is expecting to hear. And he often does this to illustrate the most important thing about what he's saying. For example, in the the prodigal son, when the son takes the father's inheritance, blows it all, and he comes back. Everyone that's hearing that story, they're expecting Jesus to say, and then he was banished because of his bad behavior, poor management, and disrespecting his father. In fact, the Jewish people had cultural laws to do exactly that in this occasion. But Jesus flips it and does the opposite and says, no, you're welcome. We're going to throw a party. I'm going to put a ring on your finger because he wants to illustrate the incredible power of God's grace. And he's going to do something in this story as well. Now, here's what all the farmers would have been hearing. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, Andy. As, as he's telling this story, a farmer scatters his seed, the seed that he's purchased, the seed that's going to be his livelihood, the seed that's going to produce the crop. And then he's just willy-nilly out there scattering it on a concrete footpath. Is that seed ever going to do well, Andrew? It, it's not good. And then he takes the same seed and he scatters it on bad soil that's filled with rocks. And the farmer knows that's not going to grow there. And then he goes and he scatters that seed on, th- on thorns. And the farmer knows as those little shoots grow, they're, they're going to get choked up by the thorns. And Jesus' original audience, here's what they're thinking. Jesus, this is dumb. This farmer's dumb. Why would he take that seed and throw it on the footpath? He knows it's not going to grow there. Why would he do that, Jesus? Now, Jesus triggers this. Because this is the exact moment that he wants to make his point. Now, in the Christian life, as we carry the gospel, one of the things that we can get caught up in, and this has been very true in my own life, is that we, come, we become very selective as to where we demonstrate the love of Jesus in our lives. Sometimes for me, I'm waiting for that perfect moment, that perfect soil where I know if I'm open about my faith, someone's not only going to respond positively to me, but someone's going to receive Jesus there in that moment. And they're going to become a disciple that changes the world. I'm going to wait for that moment until I become real about my faith in Jesus. Now this, I think, is what Jesus is getting at for us as what it means to live the gospel in who we are, to actually work the whole field of our lives. To work the whole field Every part of our life, every position that we find ourselves in, every community that we're a part of, every environment that we're in, that the gospel should come out of who we are as Jesus' story that has transformed our life can continue to be told through who we are, the way we live our lives, the way we treat people, the invitations that we offer. To move away from being selective as to where people get to hear about the most important thing in my life. You know, I think there's a couple of reasons. I reflect on this in my own life, and, and perhaps you might as well. It's to say, okay, I can probably, in a moment of honest self-reflection, say, Jesus, yeah, I think this is me. 
I, sometimes I pick and choose when I'm open about my faith and when I'm not. In fact, I did it in real time this week. I had a couple of different tradesmen come over uh, on Thursday giving me some quotes for a, for a patio or, you know, shade blind thing, see if that was going to get it done. Incidentally, I don't think it is. But anyway, I had a couple of different tradesmen come over. The first guy, and, and something that happens for me, where, when you're a pastor, when you work in ministry, one of the first questions that we ask each other is, hey, what do you do? So I end up having conversations about faith with almost everyone I meet. And sometimes, I, honestly, this is a real moment. Sometimes I feel really positive and excited about that. And sometimes I try to avoid it. So I just don't have the energy sometimes. Just, again, being real. Am I okay to be real here this morning? Excellent. Good. And so the first guy, we, we got chatting, we got talking. And of course, he said, yeah, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh, so, so you, believe, you believe in God and all that stuff. I, yeah, I really do. And he's like, you know what? Over the last few years, I, I've, been, I've been struggling with cancer. And over the last few years, that's just been my whole life. I had to sell my business, and now I'm just doing this on the side to make, to make things work. And he said, you know what? Through that experience, I, I got a sense that there must be something more to life, something bigger about life. Something, so, and he didn't use the words, but something spiritual. And I said, you know what? That, that's kind of how I feel about God. That's kind of how I feel about, about God, that there is something bigger. There is something more going on. And then we started talking about other things. Now, the next guy came over a little bit later, and uh, we had the same kind of conversation. And this is what generally happens. When someone's just pretty shut off to the gospel or, or talking about church or a pastor, they, they'll do something like this. And we've got Chad, we're talking about all kinds of things, talking about the Olympics, having a good old time. And he's like, oh, so what are you doing? I'm, like, I'm a pastor at a church. And he's like, oh, uh, um, so what's your favorite sport? <laughs> and, and literally like that. And, and it's amazing. And, and something I'd encourage you with, that's about the worst reaction I ever have. Just an instant dismissal. Sometimes maybe like, oh, you, you really believe that? Oh, fair enough. So at its very worst, it's never actually that bad. It's never actually that bad. But I had two different experiences. I feel like I was pretty much the same. Two different experiences, two different guys, and it went two different ways. But the thing I've got to learn not to do is choose when I allow the gospel to come out of me or not. That's something I need to grow in. And I think as a church, that's something we need to grow in together. So why do we choose not to sometimes? I think I've got it down to, to two key excuses in my life. The first I want to call a noble excuse. Have you ever heard this idea before, a noble excuse? And it's the idea of when, when you use an excuse to say you're right to avoid doing the right thing. That, does that track? A noble excuse. It's like, and here's what we can say sometimes. I don't want to be open about my faith because I might offend someone. I, I don't want to be open about my faith when I'm with Edouard because it might be offensive to him. And it's not. He loves Jesus. And, uh, but but say, I say that. So I say, okay, no, I'm not going to be open about my faith in this environment because I might offend someone. I, I might offend that person. It might not be a good thing for that person. Or, or maybe we'll say, you know what, I'm not going to be open about my faith in this environment because I might make it awkward for this person that I like. And I don't want to make it awkward for them, so I'm just going to hide away the, the gospel from that person because I think it's actually going to be bad for them. If we say that again slowly, I'm not going to show them the gospel because I think it's going to be bad for them. It sounds bad, right? But that's the emotional equation that I'm making in my head. I'm actually saying that it's actually going to be better for your life if I don't show you Jesus. 
Now, that's a gross oversimplification. I understand that. I don't know. In workplaces, there's all kinds of different cultural things. In certain settings, we can't, uh, we can't share the gospel directly as we might like to. And I know there's wisdom around all of this, so please don't feel like I'm being insensitive around this. I'm just saying something in my experience, without ever fully articulating it, I say, you're going to be better off if I don't show Jesus to you. Now, that's probably the most incorrect thing that I've ever thought or said. But I think sometimes it's something that we think over in our head without giving it those exact terms. We say, no, it's going to be better off that I don't do this because it's going to be awkward or uncomfortable or offensive, so I won't do it. Now, I'm just saying, I know there's tensions, I know there's cultural forces, I know there's all kinds of things. But I'm saying, I think we've got some room to grow here in this space. So they're the noble excuses, the excuses that we think are about someone else. But as I dig deeper into my own life and into my own heart, I think that all the reasons I don't do it, they're not about other people. I tell myself they're about other people. Really, they're just about me. Because ultimately, I'm afraid of rejection. Rejection's not nice. If I'm open about something that I care about and someone shuts me down, that is an unpleasant emotional experience. Who would agree with that? It's an unpleasant emotional experience. And generally, as people, we try to avoid unpleasant emotional experiences. So I say, I'm not going to do that because I might be rejected. Here's another thing that I sometimes do. There's no way that that person is going to respond positively to this part of my life. So I'm not going to tell them. You know what I'm doing in that scenario? I'm giving their no for them. I'm saying, you're going to say no, so I'm not going to tell you. The other thing we sometimes do is as we, as we look at people, as we're having conversations with people, we can say, you know what? It just takes too much energy. It just takes too much energy to be present in your life in this way. And honestly, this is one for me that I fall into this trap a lot. I go, okay, I don't really want to have this conversation right now. I'll tell you as little as possible about my faith, church, and passion for Jesus as I can because this is an emotionally draining experience. Anyone had that experience before? You can put your hands up. It's not just, yes, people with me, I love it. Doesn't make me feel so lonely. <laughs> uh, but, but it's something that we do. So actually, I just don't have the energy for this right now. Part of scattering the seed means choosing to be relationally engaged with the people in our world so they can see something of who Jesus is in us. So one of the things I think that I need to grow in, that we as a church need to grow in together, is actually be willing to work the whole sphere of our life in all the different situations, using wisdom, but actually being open to the gospel story being told in who I am. You know, I want to take you a step closer here, and we're going to lean into the, the different conditions of the soil here for the moment. And I believe my, uh, my friend Luke Stevenson has prepared a wonderful infographic for me. Thank you, Luke. Is Luke in the building? All right, we'll talk about him later. <laughs> So here's, here's what, it was going to be something positive. That wasn't like, a, I'm going to tell him off later. I actually wanted to encourage him in front of everyone, but he's not here, so I won't do it. Um, so let's look at the condition of the seed. So we have the, the where it fell, the what it means, and the how it happens. Everyone follow that? Beautiful table, really, isn't it? And uh, the first one, where it fell. So first up, we've got the footpath. And Jesus says they hear 
but they don't understand, so they get snatched away. So this is the kind of person that has an instant bad reaction to the gospel. could be because of past experiences, could be because of culture, could, could be because of any number of things, but there is an instant dismissal to the gospel, or the idea of faith, or the idea of church. That exact reaction I shared before that was like, yeah, I go to church. Cool, what's your favorite sport? That's this kind of instant dismissal. Can't comprehend, can't understand, don't want to talk about it. The next we have the rocky places. Now, this person Jesus described as someone that hears well, but it doesn't last. Now, I think back to my days as a youth pastor when we did incredible outreach events and got hundreds of kids together and we'd tell, tell a message about Jesus and ask for an altar call and say, if you believe in Jesus, put your hand up. I want to pray for you. And, and, and kids would respond to Jesus. And then we, we wouldn't follow them up properly. We wouldn't provide community properly. And, and then that faith, that statement of faith that they made in their life a year or so down the track or even a month or so, it, it's gone because there's no foundation. It happens because there's a lack of foundation there's a lack of mentoring, there's a lack of discipleship. And so the roots have got nowhere to go. So as soon as things get hard, as soon as we experience any kind of rejection or pushback from people in our life, we say, actually, maybe this isn't for me. So the next place is the thorns, where people hear, but, but really what they do is they tune it out. They're the other priorities of life. They're the troubles of, of this world, the lure of wealth, all the different things that, that we value and place priorities on. So we hear the gospel, but then we allow other things to take priority. And that's exactly what's happening in this scenario. And Jesus says this is what happens in people's lives. They respond to the gospel, but then the other things of the world are more important, and they, they just kind of choke it out. And then finally, we have the good soil. Hears, understands, reproduces. So we have that 30, 60, 100-fold what had been planted. And really what I think this is talking about is actually becoming a disciple. It's actually following Jesus and doing what Jesus did. Because, you know, I believe there's a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. You know what I mean by that? that? That we can receive the good news of Jesus, but then as we take the steps of being a disciple, we actually start to live more and more like Jesus lived. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. The good soil is really that step of becoming a disciple that then takes the essence of who Jesus is and, and does everything they can to build that into their life. So as we look at these four conditions of the soil, now here's something that, that's really important. And we saw it in the passage of Scripture, and you'll see it in the breakdown under the what it means. Every single person, it begins with what? Hearing. They hear. They hear. They hear. They hear. You know, one of the things that we need to be reminded of this morning, that when it comes to living out the gospel, our job isn't to get somebody to say yes. Our job is to get somebody to hear. That that's what this is about. It's not about getting someone to the position where they'll actually say yes to the gospel. You know whose job that is? That's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit of Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can unlock faith in the human soul. I cannot do that. Nothing I can say can do that. I can allow someone to hear, and then when they hear, the Holy Spirit begins to work, and then they can place their faith in who Jesus is because of the inner working of the Holy Spirit in their life. I can't do that. You can't do that. Good news is, Jesus is all about that. But the first step is someone actually hearing. So this is the part that we get to be a part of. Not making sure that someone says yes. Not making sure that someone agrees with every part of who we are and what we believe. But just simply giving somebody the opportunity to hear and see the difference that the gospel can make in our lives. 
So that's the most important thing in so many ways to take from this passage, that our role as the farmer is to scatter, is to let people hear. But you know what? I think there's a couple of things that we can carry as followers of Jesus to help people in the varying conditions of soil in their life, the varying conditions of their soul. You know, when I think about people that, that hear but don't understand, that just have that instant rejection to who Jesus is, you know what I think we can carry to help those people? It's certainly not a desire to be right. No, listen, this is how it works. That's not going to help that person. You know what's going to help that person? Authentically showing up in their lives. Being reliable. Demonstrating love. Showing the fruit of his spirit. Being consistent. And by contrast, and I think this is so big, and I don't know if everyone's going to agree with me on this, but we've got to let go as followers of Jesus of the need to be right. To carry the gospel with a whole bunch of security. So if someone says, no, you're wrong, this is how it is. Like, okay, I believe in Jesus. To hear that kind of protest without letting it get under our skin. Because we're not about the need to be right. We're about the need for someone to hear. What about the rocky places? They hear, they receive, but it doesn't last. Now, this is something that we can be a part of as church community, community together, is to welcome people to the table. You know, so often, I, I love the language we use here at True North, that the community is about everyone being welcome at the table of Jesus, around acceptance, around his gospel of peace, around his gospel that's for everyone. That when we can welcome people to the table, when we can consistently say, and as a church together, develop better and better ways to, to help look after people, to help connect people, to help people to find community, to be a part of people finding community. It's in that place that the discipleship happens, through relationship. What about the thorns? People that hear and receive, but then there's all the other priorities of life. Sometimes lifestyle choices that we don't want to change. Sometimes things we're pursuing that we don't want to let go of. What do we do for, for that person? Or maybe that's you this morning. What needs to grow in your own heart to move past that? You know, when I think about, about this idea, there's a, there's a phrase that I think every church needs to wrestle with and take hold of. And it's simply this, that we're about belonging before believing that we're about people finding community and acceptance before belief. You know, traditionally what kind of happens in churches, and, and actually I don't think this is us, but one of the traps that we can fall into as communities of churches, we can have what's called a bounded set to our faith. And, we can go, and, it, and the flow of progression into acceptance can look a bit like this. You need to behave, then you need to believe, then you may belong. Now, if a church becomes like that, it's dead in the water. It's the opposite of what Jesus died for on the cross. Literally the opposite. It's trying to go back to the old covenant. Literally the opposite of the gospel. So in everything we can do, we need to flip that around. So belonging comes first. And recognize that everyone, and I believe this, every human soul is on a journey towards Jesus. They might be 10 miles away with their back to him but they're still on a journey towards him. This is sometimes called a centered set approach to faith. And wherever people are on that journey, whatever their life looks like, they find belonging with us. They find belonging in your life. They find relationship through who you are. And then that through that belonging, 
eventually as they take steps closer to Jesus, as belief begins to grow. You know, in my experience, I've found belief is very rarely an instant moment of confession of faith in Christ at one time, on one event, in one time. It's usually a journey towards belief. It's usually a journey from doubt towards faith. Steps towards Jesus that begins with belonging as belief grows. And then lives are transformed as they discover Jesus for themselves. We don't need to force that. Again, that's Jesus' work in the human heart to bring joy, transformation and change. So as we reflect on this passage of Scripture, and we're going to finish in, in just a moment here. And, and in fact, I want to show you a really cool story of life change, two, two girls that have been through Alpha recently. As we reflect on this, I, I think it's somewhat inescapable that, that if you're here this morning and you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, it's somewhat inescapable that, that Christ's heart for each one of us is to grow in our openness with the story of the gospel. I, I don't think we can avoid that. And we can make all kinds of excuses as to why it only applies to me this much or, or why I have a, an excuse not to do it, whatever it might be. This is something Jesus invites us to. And I think it shows up in two places. And so much of this is the church. The church scattered and the church gathered. So in your life, in the different spaces that only you go into, you're the story of Jesus to some of those spaces they will only ever hear and see if they hear and see it in you. And then also we've got an opportunity as a church together that through the, create, the, the spaces we create to actually demonstrate the gospel. You know, one of the, the spaces you would have heard about the last couple of weeks is Alpha. And uh, we've really been leaning into this as a church. And I've been so blessed to be a part of it um, over the last couple of terms where, where we can create a unique space for people to actually begin that journey of faith that they don't come to a place where they're told what to believe. They come to a place where they're invited to share, what do you believe? They're invited to a space where in community, they can step, take steps closer to Jesus. And you probably would have heard that next Sunday night, where we're doing an alpha party. Now, can, it, can I be real? Over the years, I, I've been a pastor for a long, long time. I've been involved for, in church for even longer. And I've invited people to hundreds of different church events with the hope that they would hear the gospel, that their life would be changed by the gospel. I've done it hundreds and hundreds of times, all kinds of different spaces, all kinds of different events. And I honestly believe that the best one I've ever invited someone to is our Alpha Parties. Because it's just a space where we gather together. Literally, it's a party. It's food, there's drinks, hanging out, meeting people, music. It's just a good time. And then for a small portion of that night, we give people an invitation to consider being a part of Alpha. Hey, if you've ever thought about faith, the bigger picture of life, bigger meanings of life, if you just want to share your journey, then we invite you to come along for the next nine weeks to, to this Alpha course, which again is going to be a space where we hang out, have dinner, have conversations. And it's the best thing that I've ever seen to actually invite someone in to begin a journey towards Jesus, even to begin to understand the faith that I have from a place that, that doesn't understand faith. And so as a church together, I want to encourage you in this one. You know, the, the, the call of this parable and this passage of Scripture is far bigger than the application of invite someone to Alpha. Can I be clear on that on the front? It's about holistically living a life that, that tells the story of Jesus. But can I tell you something else? That an invitation to Alpha could be the thing that changes somebody's life. 
So I want to encourage you this week, and you'll see even on your chairs, you've got a, a little card there that's just a little invitational tool to say, you know what, I want to invite someone along to this Alpha party. And then if they say, yeah, I want to come along to Alpha, I'm actually going to come with them through the course. We're going to hang out together. It's going to be great. We're going to have some conversations about faith. I'm not going to tell them what they need to believe. I'm just going to show them a little bit of who Jesus is in my life. So I want to invite you to, to consider that this week, to pray into that this week, and to think, is there someone that I could invite to be a part of this that could change their life? And if immediately there's some things in you that are saying, no, I'm definitely not going to do that, here's what I want to invite you to do this week instead, is to pray and reflect on that response in your heart. And I don't mean to produce guilt at all, because this is me as well. God, where's that coming from? What have you got to teach me through that? And to, to finish this morning, I want to show you a great story of, of two girls that have recently been along to Alpha. I think both of them, in fact, from just the last term. And to see the difference that God's made in their life through that space. And I, I want to finish with that this morning. So let's uh, check that out. Can we, can we throw that up there, Rajiv? I'm Crystal. Um, I'm, I've just finished term three, I think it is, of Alpha. I'm a fur mum, um, but I do have my eight-year-old nephew that lives with me, Braxton. Hi, I'm Bailey and I'm 23 years old. Um, I'm from New Zealand and I've been in Australia for over 10 years now. I was brought to Alpha through um, a friend. I actually came to the Easter Sunday service um, with, a, with Alex from church. Um, she invited myself and another friend to come for Easter Sunday and it was like advertised and stuff there. I got on Alpha through talking to my sister Taylor. Um, I got um, thinking about all these questions I had and didn't really have any answers and I knew that Taylor went to church with her husband Riley and started talking to her and she said why don't you come to Alpha. I remember when I turned up to the Alpha launch party I literally I sat in the car and I was like what am I doing and because I wasn't going to come to the launch party. One of my friends actually said to me, are you going to the Alpha party? And I was like, no, nah, like I've got Brax, like no, nah, it's too hard. And she goes, drop him at my house. And then I was like, oh, I'm working. And like, I was trying to think of every excuse under the sun. And she even turned around and said, I'll go and pick Braxton up from after school care so you can go. And I was like, now I really don't have an excuse not to go. And I remember walking up to the doors at the Mirawa campus and you're like, Crystal! And I was like, oh my God, she remembers my name. Oh my God, like I'm thinking in my head, oh my God, she remembers my name. And then like you were so welcoming, you brought me in and like introduced me to people and it like instantly made me feel like I was at home. So I was like, okay, this is like, these are the kind of people I want to be around. These are fun, genuine kind of people. I've now done two alphas and it was, well, it has been the best experience ever. Especially on the Alpha Day when we were there, I just remember being in the space and I actually saw um, one of my friends, Susie, I saw her on stage um, and she was singing and I just saw how she was just like letting go and she just didn't care about what anyone else thought. And it just, I know it nearly made me like cry because I was like, that is just so amazing that 
somewhat like God is doing this in her life and that's what I wanted him to do in mine. And I just remember at that point, I went up to Phil and I said, Phil, I'm ready for, like, I'm ready for this. I went into it going, right, I'm going to be that one person that's going to question everything because I'm going to put you to the test, <laughs> basically. You say that Jesus is there, but how do I know he's there? Like, how am I going to know that he's with me? Like, I will, I'm from a broken family. My dad's never been around. You know, we refer to Jesus and God as the Father, or as God as the Father. And I think that word for me is a triggering word. So I was like, well, why am I going to put my trust in someone when my own dad's not around, you know? So that was very hard for me on that particular day um, to come to terms with being able to let go. Everybody was like, you know, you just need to put your faith in God and, um, you know, just know that he has your back and he's got the path that you're going to be on. I was thinking about my life before Alpha and it wasn't bad in any ways, but it just felt like something was missing. And when I went to Alpha, it almost like that, that thing that was missing was now filled. Like I've made friendships. I've been able to explore my faith in a really comfortable place where there's no judgment and just different thoughts from people that you, you, know, you don't really know much about. But by the end of Alpha, you feel like they're the closest people to you. I feel that after doing Alpha that I now have got like a place and I know that I'm not alone knowing that God has a place for us and he has a, such a huge impact on my life. I now believe that and I live by that. Life before Alpha, was, oh, I'm gonna get emotional. Um, it was kind of like I was needing another family, like another group of people that I could call my own. Um, and so before that, I didn't have any of that. And then when I came to Alpha, I've met a whole new family of people that, you know, reach out to me and are kind of like my new crew. And that's what I kind of call you guys, my family, my crew. I feel happy and I've, you know, I found my faith as well um, through Alpha and I found a whole nother level of life, I guess, than what I was before. Like, I mean, I was happy before, but now I just feel like it's a whole different type of happiness. I just feel so loved and I feel like before I was like, not the person I wanted to be, I think. I felt like I was quite an angry person. I just wouldn't feel at peace or happy and now I feel that and I feel like I'm a completely different person to who I was before I started. What would I say to anyone thinking of doing Alpha? Do it. It has changed my life a lot um, and I think if I hadn't have gone to that launch party, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. So yeah, definitely invite as many people because we want to get the word out. We want to transform everybody's life and the change that I've had, um, everybody deserves to have. <laughs> <laughs>